a six six three hundred plus pound eighth grader this this past weekend who who was playing some ball. Got to see a couple of eighth yeah. grade championship games along with my my other games. And you're absolutely right. This this kid is he going to grow? Is he going to be seven foot? Is he done? Is he going to continue to develop physically, or is this it? You know, yeah. is he going to get better as a player? All that stuff is is what goes into it. And you're right. Everybody wants to anoint this person or that person anoint per- this person or that person the next thing yeah and it's it's funny how guys fall by the wayside and then the oh. people who anoint them whatever you know they're gonna be super next superstar never mention them again so yeah the the term that affectionately we use is you know middle school hero high school zero Ooh. and it happens because yeah. at the end of the day like like it's like a kid getting an early offer right yeah. if you get an early offer uh only certain human beings are, are well-equipped enough or well-equipped enough to uh, take that offer and for what it's worth and move on and keep training and look at the, at the, the further, you know, destination. Right. But a lot of guys, you know, they feel as though they've arrived when that happens and they stop working. And, and there's numerous kids that you could, you know, over the years in our area, that they've gotten that freshman after their freshman year gotten an offer. And that's the slow decline down. Yes. And so that happens. And so I think, you know, keeping keeping guys around you that are going to help you understand that th- the work is never done. Yeah. I don't care if you're a seventh grader, a ninth grader, a, a senior, or a guy that's getting ready to go to Alabama. The work never ends. Right. The goal is not to collect offers. The goal is to keep building, which is why I always say yep. keep building. You know, you, have, you don't want to just do the work. You want to keep building. Because you, you want to go as far as, as you can possibly take yourself and as far yep. as the game can possibly take your, take you instead of just, you know, collecting offers. Because some guys, that's it. You know, yeah. they, they love it. They 100%. Love, they love the double-digit offers, 20 offers, offers from this one, offers from that one. And then people are always like, well, whatever happened to whoever? Well, the thing is, is if they, kept, they quit building themselves and quit building towards their end goal of playing on the highest level possible. Yep. Hundred percent. So, uh, going to talk about that. We, we we brought up the subject of committable offers last week, and, and some bunch of people wanted us to talk, elaborate on that a little bit. So we're gonna we're gonna do that yep. as well. I was also besides the the you know middle school championship games, which were a lot of fun because kids are really. I mean, that's where the most enthusiasm is now. Because, like you said, the smaller kids. They're just as excited as the guys who are going to go on and be high school football stars. Yeah. Right. And they love to get in there and they play with their all. And it's really for the love of the game. You know, yeah. that's like the last purest form is, you know, high school is as well, but, but middle school is, is you're playing for the love of it. Yeah. I, I, like these guys playing at that younger age at the end of the day, uh, like it's all they know. It's all relative to them. So like their families are just as excited about oh, the absolutely. Super Bowl or <clears throat> the you know the league championship or whatever it might be. Um, you know they put in a lot of work. They, they put in a lot of extra work. They put in a lot of um, you know just you know a lot of nights of of being away from their families as coaches and as kids. You know uh, you know really stressing themselves. Yeah. You know two three days four days a week of football and. Uh, it's and, awesome, yeah, you know, and it's, it it, the culmination of it. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, is it all about winning championships? You know, I, I, I probably not. You know, I talked to Brady Cook uh, recently. Uh, we were just talking, just shooting, shooting uh, the breeze, the breeze. And, and, <laughs> and one of the things he was talking about was like his days. I was telling him about my my team and what they were up to that weekend. And he was like, oh, man, I played in so many of those. And 
I won only so many of them, but he's like, you cherish the ones you win and you realize how hard it is actually to win. Yes. Um, you know, and it's tough to beat two te- a team twice, right? In right. high school, you know, it's tough. At any level, yeah. Any level, right? I mean, the NFL obviously has that that double schedule type deal within the comp or within the division, but it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to do. So, um, you know, I, I think it's really cool to get kids interested in competing. Right. You know, again, the kids, the parents. Yeah. I, I got to tell you what. I think the middle school parents are more more vocal than oh. the high school parents. And it's it's a it's a lot of fun. There's also at I uh, got to see uh, our guy Dayton Hopkins, unfortunately lose to uh, Lift for Life, who really you know came back from being down in, in the first in first half and came back and just pulled away from him. Uh, Dayton had a good game, but Lift for Life really good game by yeah. them coming back, just just powerful. They're they're a running team. They they lost their quarterback Keyshawn Hill. Okay, who I know you know. Yep. And uh, so their their quarterback was a receiver who moved in there running, and so. They're bigger and they were built for running the, the ball, and they got away from that a little bit in the first half, and then they just came back and ran it, and that was that was their key to victory. Also got to see uh, Holt and Hannibal, which was really good, and and again, you know, I know you're really familiar with a lot of the Holt oh, yeah. players as well. Just a great effort by them. They have a really underrated quarterback named Aiden Sullivan for sure, who's thrown for I think he might be the leader in the St. Louis area. Yeah, he's a kid that trained a whole bunch with one of our. Uh, Coach is Marcus Snozik, mm. who's oh, a go. really good uh, yep. quarterback developer, and uh, he kind of laid laid in wait. He got you know Cooper Brown was there when he first got there, and then he right. had uh, he was behind the guy last year, and now he's he's you know this started. Was his time. It was yeah. one year, and uh, but they run a really good system. They do a really good system. They do, and, and uh, some really nice players. Uh, you know, they're going to be graduating a lot. They got some good guys coming up, com- coming back, though. Gabriel Cunningham, who I uh, got to talk a little bit of recruiting with, was really good. And uh, Hannibal is just a team to watch because they, they have a player named Aeneas Williams mm-hmm. who's just lights out. No relation, though, right? No relation, no. And yeah. he, he gets asked that all the time. And I love, like, I've been to a bunch of – I've watched Aeneas since he was a sophomore. First game I saw him, he was a sophomore. He ripped off uh, – he, he reeled off six touchdowns, right? Mm. Rushing. I think he had one one catching. And he's very comparable, and I think I might have told you this too, to, to Kyron Williams. Both, you know, Aeneas is going to Notre Dame. And, of yeah. course, Kyron went, went to uh, Notre Dame as well. However, I do think that Aeneas is a little more advanced than Kyron at the same stage. Wow, yeah, that's saying a lot. That is, yeah. that is saying a lot. I mean, he's – He's really in, in, uh, ran for 256 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, they've been having him lay a little low, playing a lot of wide receiver, you know, so fresh legs, fresh body. And, I mean, you know. Smart move. Holt got to, got to, got to enjoy the Aeneas Williams experience. So I talked to Aeneas a little bit after uh, the game, and here's what he had to say about his performance in his season. Nias Williams, class 24 running back, all-purpose back, uh, committed to Notre Dame. Thoughts on tonight's game? Uh, I mean, game plan, we exceeded the game plan. Uh, you know, they fought hard. They were a great team. All credit to them. But uh, I think the big uh, the big props goes to our line with our rushing success. And, I mean, it really just playing smash-mouth football, just doing what Hannibal does. But, obviously, we have the pass threat. So, I mean, I think it's really hard to game plan for us. But I think we executed the game plan well. You really are an all-purpose back, and you've been utilized a little different this year. Yeah, 
So, I mean, these past four weeks, you know, we've just been trying to show teams different things and they don't know how to scout me. With wide receiver, I haven't played wide, I mean, haven't played running back for four weeks now, and then I jump in at running back and, uh, you know, did my thing as far as that goes. You look like you have fresh legs. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice, just fresh legs, fresh body, and, you know, just shout out to the line keeping me untouched throughout the season and just staying healthy. That's the big thing this year. 31 touchdowns so far this year, 35 now. Just your thoughts overall on your season? Uh, I have, that's the first I've heard of it, of stats-wise. I try to, you know, I'm not really too focused on that right now. I'm just trying to be with this team and take it all in the senior year. Right. Thoughts uh, for Notre Dame fans? Oh, we're coming. Let's go. Go Irish. I love how he said, just uh, did my thing. Did my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had 256 yards, four touchdowns, which is, like I said, first time I saw him, you know, he reeled off six touchdowns as a, as a sophomore. But he's just a really put together kid, both physically and mentally. And as you can tell, he's, you know, he's very mature. You know, Notre Dame has gotten a number of kids out of Missouri over the years. And it's it's kind of the similar type of kid, right? Very yep. smart. You know, Jeremiah Love right. from CBC, very intelligent, you know, four point whatever student. And uh, Kyron was a really good student. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Bonner, who was at Berkeley yes. Central, really good student. And then, you know. Um, Justin Thurman, who Justin played Thurman. it. Yeah. Yeah, down another guy that we now. train. He's down at Tampa Jesuit. He's going there. Really good student. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you go to Notre Dame just for football. Obviously, it's a huge component, but you realize there's a lot more to it as well. And I right. think they sell that as part of their package. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, everybody could go to Alabama or Georgia, but, you know, when a guy singles them out, you know they're looking at a little bit more than just just the football aspect. Correct. But just a really exciting player and, you know, somebody that everybody needs to watch. It's hard to get too much recognition up in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people know about him, but he's, he's really fun to watch and he's somebody to watch going forward because he's a guy who could probably play college football this year. Just yeah. based on what, physically. what physically and mentally the whole nine yards. And you can see it. He's he's in rare air when he's up there up against everybody else. You know, everything looks different, yeah. right? He, he looks like he's from a different playing planet. A different, playing a different game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. And, it's a, and the tricky thing is sometimes there are guys in high school that look really good. Right. But you and I would watch him like, well, he doesn't project very well to the next level, right? Exactly. You see a guy like that, you look, you go, well, he projects. Exactly. Well. Exactly. And a question that that we had, you know, you can reach out to us at, at Football 360 Show on Twitter or Instagram and ask questions. We had a question that we had was from somebody who wanted to know if the the all conference and soon uh, next month the all state selections are going to be coming out and they wanted to know does the all state all conference selections all metro selections does that affect recruiting does that have anything to do with recruiting i think a lot of it's a lot of it's you know very good for the kids to have those you know acknowledgements but Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme it means very little if if anything right um i don't I don't know that there's anywhere that, you know, a coach is going to go, well, he was all state or he was all this because, you know, coaches are smart enough to understand there is um, definitely a pecking order when it comes to a lot of those conference selections and all metros and all of that type of stuff where, you know, there's the better teams usually get more guys on those teams, right? right? The guys that place higher get more seedings on that. So there's a lot of things that go into that. So you could be a, a really high level player on a lower level team that didn't get the results they wanted. And, and, you know, maybe you don't get the, the higher placement. And uh, like I saw offensive lineman the other day, it was a second team guy. And I was like, 
that won't affect him going to college. Right. There's plenty of offers and, and people looking at him. Right. No, my my uh, easy answer for that one is no. It has no bearing whatsoever on your recruitment, on who gets recruited and who recruits you. It's great uh, recognition for the work that you've done as a high school player. But there is a difference between a good high school player or even an excellent high school player and a good or excellent high-level college prospect. And it, it, they're just not judged on the same thing. And you're absolutely right. I've, I've seen that as well, where I've seen like uh, some D1 guys, you know, going to SEC school as low as, you know, third, you know, third team all state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just it just doesn't have that bearing. And a lot of it is it's all subjective. It's like anything else. It's just like with the star rankings or any other kind of rankings. I'm not huge into rankings because it's it, a it's so subjective. And B, there's not a lot of difference a lot of times. No. You, you can't tell me that people know that definitively, that there is a difference between a player who is ranked number eight and a player who's ranked number nine or number seven. Everybody can tell who the best of the best is, right? Even yeah. people who don't follow football regularly, you know? Mm-hmm. You can get your grandma who's never watched a football game in her life, and if you sit her down and she can say, hey, well, that guy's really above everybody else. It's very obvious. Yeah. I mean, like, like I could tell you as a, as a guy who's been developing quarterbacks for 20 plus years, uh, I can tell you pretty quickly watching someone throw a football in a game or even in a training scenario um, and give you a pretty good assessment of where they shake out at that given time. Right. And as you look at the younger guys, you can you, you, you've seen so many different iterations of that over the years you know what you're looking at so it's pretty easy to say okay this guy fits kind of in this mold you know things you can account for is like you know determination and leadership all those things but those those are necessary uh, components as well so you know but from a mechanical standpoint and from a just a overall athleticism standpoint it's very easy to see uh, the guys who are the guys and that's why like an Aeneas Williams stands out because he is just different and that's not a slight on the other kids. No. And there might be kids on that field going to other Division One schools, but they might not be the impact player, right, um, that he's going to be. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. And you're absolutely right. And with what I do and how long I've been doing it, I can pick out guys. I, l- I like to watch warm-ups, right? I watch mm-hmm. warm-ups. I can, t- I can tell who's what from warm-ups. And this is why I always say you never know who's watching you. Always be performing at your best, even if it's just in a stretch line and warm-ups or whatever, because, you know, somebody's there watching you that you don't necessarily know is watching you. And like I said, you can tell. Uh, Jamie Pond, who's our offensive line guru um, at Elite Football. Love talking to Jamie He will, he he is an unbelievable assessor of talent, right? He's very good, very opinionated when it comes down to it. But he will, to your point, watch kids warming up a, you look at their stature, right? You just kind of, you know, kind of see what you're working with. Then you watch them move, right? And then there's d- different components of the warm up. But as guys start to get a little bit more ballistic and explosive in their movements, it's very easy to see. But there's a lot of guys that'll come in that pass the eyeball test, right? But when they start moving, you can tell there's a disconnection. Oh, without a doubt, right? And so that disconnection is 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 you know, as a coach doesn't mean you, you write that guy off. You can definitely work with him and improve him. But sometimes there are some things that are insurmountable because, you know, those motor behaviors that they learned when they were little kids or they didn't focus on through sports or, or development training or just, you know, their, their normal development as a kid, um, 
you know, a lot of that can't be unwritten. I mean, and so that, that actually brings up a really interesting topic. So people, you know, like, when should I start lifting weights with my kid? Right. So if you think about it, like in, in terms of like, like cycles of learning, so you learn to walk, you learn to start to move, you start to play sports, you know, learning to move acceleration, deceleration, you know, lateral movement, agility, explosiveness off the ground, you know, returning to the ground, you know, safely. All those are, are skill sets. <clears throat> those are probably the most important skill sets to learn from the age of seven up through about 12, 13, right? Yes. That's like the golden window when you can teach people things. If you're a quarterback, it's when you want to learn those mechanics. It is a golden window for those, those skill sets, right? We're not talking about offensive line blocking. We're talking about fundamental movement strategies that every human being needs in daily life, as well as on, if you're going to compete in sports field or court-based sports. So learning those skill sets as a little guy is a huge competitive advantage because you can't, once a person starts to go through puberty, it becomes very difficult to start to retrain them, right? So you think about like as a male, as a young male starts to get testosterone in their body, you know, think of that as more like a cementing of those, of those muscles in the body, right? So the body starts to get bigger, strong. What do you associate with getting, you know, testosterone in a young male? They start to gain, they start to gain a little bit of muscle, their physique changes, their jawline changes, you know, all those little things are indications that the body is ready to move on from that fundamental stage. The fundamental stage is where you learn all these things. So any you know, advice to you know, kids out there or parents that have younger kids, get them playing multiple sports. But another sport they should be focusing on is how to learn how to move. Yes. How to move. Gymnastics is another way to do that. Wrestling is another way to do it. But teach someone how to run. You can teach people how to run. Oh, absolutely. And we see it all, all the time, especially like at the combine. Some guys don't necessarily know how to run and it can affect them and it can affect, it definitely affects their 40. Yeah. It, it, it affects, you know, any of the other testing events that they do yeah. as well. Broad jump, vertical jump, you know, shuttle, especially, yeah. you know, and it's a lot of time is, is sort of wasted having to teach those guys on the fly how to do that. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, because when you start learning at a young age, then it becomes muscle memory. And it's second nature. And that's yep. what you want. And that's one of the things that separates the good from the uh, elite, I guess would say, is they, they develop that early and they retain that muscle memory and just yep. keep developing it as, as they continue. Before. Over and over yep. and over. over and so over. like you know, you know, speed is is the ultimate, right? It, it's yes. still at the NFL. They still time the 40. Right? Oh, yeah. They know you're 10, oh. they know you're 20, they know you're 40. They Guys have made that. millions of dollars just because they can run fast. And so, might not be able to play, but they can run fast. And you go, well, that guy's been fast his whole life. But yeah. yes, there's a sequence of events that help that human being particularly move better than other human beings. Yes. And so, yes, some people have more fast twitch muscle fiber in their bodies, but that doesn't automatically make you a good runner with good form. Right. So spending time on it and learning, um, you know, fundamentals of, of movement, between that, you know, seven up to 13-ish range. And then, you know, you well, when do you start lifting weights? Well, you know, conventional wisdom would say you can start lifting, you know, lightweight when, when they're, you know, in that time frame, but not for gaining strength because there's no ability to really gain strength. So you're learning to, to, the technique of it and, and just how to control your body through push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups. So those things are really good for younger athletes. And then, you know, what is the right workout phase for older kids? And I can tell you that, uh, you know, I've kind of teased this a few times, but 
we've gotten to a point within our own training program. We have a, a program called off season. Okay. And off season is a strategic program that is uh, designed to help athletes become maximized. Okay. So think of it in these terms. Like when I was a kid and you were a kid, we, we'd go in and we'd do weightlifting with our team. So, uh, you know, there, but there's, there's basic fundamentals to each human being. There's, there's strength, there's power, there's fluidity, like the measurement between that. And then there's like movement efficiency or kind of the four big buckets that you want to have athletes work mm -hmm. in. So, and you measure them. So say you and I are both working on the same program. You're stronger than me, but I'm more powerful, meaning you can lift you know, more weight and sustain it, but I can do it quicker, right. but not as much weight. You put us on a weightlifting program as a, as a parochial program. Everybody on the, in the whole program is doing it. Everybody, we're all doing it together, and the team's all doing the same kind of concept. Well, let's just say it has more of a strength bent to the, to the, to the lifts, right? Who's going to benefit from that? I will because I'm the one that needed strength work. You're going to get stronger. You didn't need to get stronger. You now become injury prone. Right. You now become more uh, labored in your movements. Yeah. So we've gotten to the point now where we actually uh, employ, you know, employ um, force plates where the athletes jump on the force plates. It tells us, gives us like 56 different measurements about what their power and their strength and fluidity are. And then it tells us right to left what their body does and how their body's reacting. And you can pinpoint what they need to do, right? And so our program actually has uh, artificial, there's an algorithm and some artificial intelligence inside of it. And every 30 days they test and the, the player gets the program they need to address their needs. And, you know, the dirty little secret is, is most places you're going to work out, whether that's a personal trainer or a facility, they don't, they're guessing. It's just an art form. They're trying to do the best they can and work from what they did. But now technology has caught up. So the guy that heads up all of our performance at off season is a gentleman named Jacob Buffa. And he is the director of sports science for the Astros who is, are at the forefront of baseball, right? As far as like, you know, human development and like their teams, they're one of the best programs. But I would say as, as kids are starting to look there's certain things you want to do when you're younger, and there's definitely things you want to do as you get older, 14 and above, and that lifting and movement strategies are become hypercritical because at the end of the day, you only get one time to do it. And if you if you do it wrong and someone else is doing it right, there goes your opportunity. And it's that's, as simple as that. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great high-tech advantage. And just really moving things along. Total game changer, which is something we see why we're seeing more and more kids become more heavily recruited. You know, yes. something like that, which leads us to uh, off seasons here for some people, you know, time to make a plan. What's your off season strategy? You know, football is a year round sport. You better figure out something. You can't just decide, OK, well, I'm going to wait till next June when when high school yeah. camp starts and then I'm going to go out there. I'm going to kill it. Hey, how many how many guys do we see show up at the Lindenwood camp that have been playing another sport all off season yeah. to show up to Lindenwood and try to put their football hat back on and play? Yes. Colleges love multi-sport athletes, yeah. but they demand that you're ready to be evaluated when they need to evaluate you. They don't take, there's no spot that says, Hey, I was just got done playing two baseball games. Yeah. You know, give me a pass. They don't care. That's not how it works. So, uh, you know, there's enough hours in the day where you can, you know, have a plan. So you know what you need to do. That doesn't mean you have to stop playing other sports. It just means you need to be very strategic about how you align your off season and what are your goals. And that might be 
you don't go out on Friday nights and you're working out. That might be the weekends are devoted to working out and doing better, you know, learning skills. There's time, but you got to make sure you have a strategic plan. And you said something earlier, JP, there is, there is something good about taking a little break once the season ends, decompress, recover, recover your body. Your recover, body. Yeah. Yep. Let your body recover. Cause it's been in, in, in a, in a pretty beat up state for a number of weeks and then, you know, rest, sleep, eat good food, and then start to ease yourself back in your workouts. And then, and then, you know, kind of usually the, the barrier, uh, is, you know, once January one comes, you got eight months to get ready for the season. It's time to go. Right. Or what you want to do is after you recover, if you're going to be, say you're going to be testing, say you're going to, you want to go to the elite combine, which is March the 9th, 2024, you want to recover. Then you want to make your plan. You want to start doing your workouts and you want to be your best. So you want to train towards that goal in mind. And you want to use the entire, the entire year up until say college camp season to be training. You want to use the elite football combine as a, as a jump, jumping off point, starting point. Now, you know what you, what you can do, what you need to work on leading up into that point, which is what I always think is, is great about the elite combine. Yeah. We strategically put it a little bit later into the, into the spring, because with understanding you have the, the end of the season, you have holidays and, you know, there's a rush to get in like a, a Christmas time, you know, new year's time, um, combines or camps across the country. And I know like the, uh, uh, guys at the U.S. Army All-American one always do it like right after the week after That's New like Year. January 2nd or something. And so the problem with that is, is that a lot of kids are just physically not ready. They're, they're nursing injuries from the season. Guys playing other sports, up, yeah. Wrestling starting up. Yep. So that's asking a lot of those athletes and, uh, you know, to, to try to repair and do another sport and prepare. I think that's asking a lot. But, you know, it, there are kids that definitely do that. So, um, you know, we do have guys that specialize in combine, you know, technique training, which I think goes a long way. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I believe on our side of it, we do that, uh, you know, in the spring, we do the elite football combine. So guys have a time to prepare and kind of weave it into their fall, you know, their, their winter sport uh, as well with their winter sport and right. work them together. Yeah, it's that, it's that sweet spot because, you know, I, I just saw Dayton Hopkins on, on Saturday against Lift for Life, and he's going right in, I guess, yesterday, basketball season. Mm -hmm. There goes basketball practice, you know, yeah. and he's not sure he's going to play baseball too. So, there, so there's that. And in the meantime, he did point out to me that he was looking forward to training at Elite again. Yeah. So so I mean, to let you know that. And yeah, but the thing is, and we'll be happy to have him back in the doors because he's a, he's a worker. Ah. But, you know, having that plan, once, once the season ends, rest, recover, work out, Right. What others, if you're playing another sport, great, but have that plan. So you're starting to peak, let's say, you know, early March for the first time. Right. Start to establish your workouts again. You'll be some spring camps and combines. And then really your next major component of recruiting and being prepared is the football camp season of summer, which kicks off at Lindenwood. So, you know, obviously we hope you have really good film from this season. You know, whatever you can put together, remember how to do it. Put your best plays up first. Don't just, you know, don't try and build a, a, a crazy long story. Just put the best plays up first. Let those coaches establish and see who you are. Get to the, get, get your body back in shape. Come in. You'll have, have some appreciable gains on your weight and your size and speed. 
Develop yourself. Yep. Develop yourself so that you just show up and not just to test to see where you're at. Show up and put some good numbers down. Coaches will see that. That starts another phase of the pro- of, of the uh, recruiting process. And then you're off into the spring. And next thing you know, it's summer recruiting period. And then you're ready to roll into the next season. Yeah. You want to put your best foot forward, which leads us to another thing is uh, the recruiting. You also want to make a plan for recruiting. Mm-hmm. You want to do your, your huddle cutups, just like you said. Best plays first because coaches don't spend the time to look at, at you building up. You know, you make a, make a block on your first yeah. play. Okay, well, that's great. Boom, I'm done looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> that's how quickly it works. You want to do that, then you want to make sure that you follow coaches and recruiting staffs. Find out who the recruiting staffs are. Do a little research. Do a little homework. Find out who they are because those guys, you might see some guys follow you on social media. And you're like, oh, well, who's that? Well, it says, you know, university of whatever, but I don't know them as a coach. Do your research, find those guys, follow them, message everybody, introduce yourself. Then you can send them your thing. Stay in contact. You, it's up to you. Be proactive. Don't just wait for them to come to you. Sometimes they they overlook you. They can't see everybody, even though they have a staff. They might not know. So you be proactive. You want to help yourself, you be proactive. Do those things. The huddle cut up, your best, your best plays. You know, check the social media, do your research on who the coaches and the recruiting staffs are, follow them, introduce yourself and develop a relationship with people. And that way, you know, you, you get invites to some junior days. Hey, you want to come to a spring practice and then go from there. These are things you need to do simultaneously. The, the training as, as well as the, the, the work to develop a relationship and get yourself promoted and, and recognized. Yeah. Another really good strategy is uh, we talked about, you go on to the uh, website, fill out the recruiting questionnaires Mm -hmm. while you're there. Every college page is pretty much the exact same. Click on inside athletics, click on the directory in that directory. You'll find the football coaches listing of their names, right? Sometimes bigger programs, they won't have, they'll have a generic email. Other times they will have legitimately have their email and the coach's phone number. And oftentimes now they will actually have the person's Twitter handle in there as part of their information. That's a really good one. So you can go in and start making a spreadsheet with all those names, send it far and wide. College coaches are like, they move. They, they are not, they are not stable in any one position for a very long time. There's very few staffs that are like that. So you need to understand that a guy at a D2 school, might be at an FCS school next year. A guy at an FCS school might be at an FBS school next year. You need to you really spread your name far and wide because you don't know where those guys are going to be. Right. Get you your, have no yeah. idea. Get, get your name out. Yeah. You know, get your name out there and and you know, like I said, look at look at the whole staff. Staffs are huge now. Used to yeah. be used to be there was like an, a, an assistant who did was the recruiting coordinator and then he might have had an assistant. Now you have entire staffs and you have guys who will just sit there and look at, you know, video and then try to contact guys through social media and all this other stuff. But be proactive. Don't yeah. just you know, don't just don't just sit there and wait and then t- say that you're slept on. Chances you know? are the first person seeing it's going to be a uh, recruiting like an analyst, someone's going to look yep. or a GA is going to look it's at your GA, film yeah. and then they're going to see the film. And if it, it passes the muster of what they are, that will it will pass on to the next group. And you you know these offers don't just come by one single person. They are usually a consortium. There there there's a, a group of people that are going to sit down and talk. 
to assess where guys are on their board. Staff meetings, yeah, and they meet about it constantly. Yep. So, and, and some teams want to have consensus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I know some teams that I've dealt with in the past have they want to have consensus. They get in the room, and if not enough people say, "Hey, yeah, well, let's offer this guy yay or nay," yeah, they don't offer him. So which can cause a lot of uh, consternation. So yeah, so like those offers, you'll go back into something we talked about last week. You had a, a uh, we put up a reel with you talking about committable and non-committable offers. Mm-hmm. So um, I, someone sent me a message of a guy who's a a very interesting character that's online that does uh, quarterback and receiver stuff. Uncle Rico. Yeah, it's similar. <laughs> and, and and he's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of people that f- follow him. Yeah. And you know what, not knocking the game, but you know, so he goes into a diatribe about, well, committable versus non-committable. And his understanding was if they don't, you know, if you get an offer before your junior year, which you're not supposed to get, which we know occur, um, you know, <clears throat> you technically, that's not a, a non-committable offer. But what we're talking about is, you know, again, th- th- we're coming from a place where, you know, I've personally been involved with thousand plus kids that have gone on and played division one, you know, power five football of that 75 have gone to the NFL. Right. So we're dealing like, like, like when I say this, it's not to come across as braggadocious. It's to say, been there, done that. I understand how it works. We have connections all across, you know, college football, even in the NFL, but the reality of it is what we're talking about when we say committable versus non-committable, there will be kids that are well within that window after, you know, after September of their junior year, you know, August going into September of junior year, where they have offers and they're seniors and they have offers and they believe that they're committable and they are not committable, right? Um, you know, and like you said, if you want to know if it's committable, Try and commit. Try and commit. And uh, that's that's the easiest way. You know, it, it, a great story. I had a kid a number of years ago, junior, a rising senior. So he's just finished his junior year. He's at a camp at University of Illinois. They offer him at the camp. He and his dad driving. I talked to him. And uh, they're driving. They probably get about 30 minutes heading back towards St. Louis. The kid says, Dad, I want to commit to Illinois. He calls. And it was non-committable. They, yeah. they, they were, they were, it was a placeholder. Right. It's all yeah. it is. It's a well, placeholder. Yeah. They can offer, you know, people don't know this. Okay. They can offer 30 plus kids to fill two spots. Yes. There have been teams in the past who've handed out 250, 300 offers. Yeah. You think every one of those 300 kids, they were going to take their, their verbal, their commitment from? No, that wasn't well, it. Up it, until this year, they had, they had, they had limits of what they could sign per class. Right. Well, now they've changed that with transfer portal and things of that nature, but at the end of the day, they still have a static number of uh, scholarships right. they have on their team. Right, right. So, but that's a strategy, right? They're going to offer a lot of guys and just work within that, you know. And, yeah. and a lot of it is they have a recruiting board, you know. Yeah. You might have an offer, but you might be on the D list as far as you know. Wait and see if A, B, C goes, mm-hmm. goes through, and they're still waiting on those guys, which is why and I've said in the past, it's a business. Treat it as such. There's nothing wrong. It's a business from their end. There's no bad guys. I'm not going to say anybody's a bad guy, but it's a business from their end. So you need to treat it as a business as well. You need to make sure that you protect yourself. You need to make sure that you protect your your interests. And so look at it that way. It's a negotiation process. You know, I know that they have something that that, that you want. You you know, you have something they want. So negotiate in, in good faith. And 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 now more than ever. Uh, negotiate on on NIL. Negotiate yep. on you know what 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 you can bring to the table, right? 
just I know, made it more of a business. And, and understand that, you know, it can go from, you know, from zero to 60 really quickly because you can be a guy that has no offers. And, you know, we're talking about Talon Chandler, yep. didn't have a ton of offers. Now all of a sudden, you know, he's getting getting love and now he's a four-star guy and he's getting invited to all American games. Yeah. You know, um, and now he's got some cachet and he has the ability to negotiate on NIL, I would imagine. So, um, you know, another thing is a guy told me, one of my buddies that's in college coaching, he said, there's no such thing as roster limits anymore as far as like, you know, with, uh, there's roster limits, but there's no such thing as scholarship limits because there's NIL money that's being paid to guys that are uh, going to these schools, right? And so they're getting things taken care of. Like there's guys that are walk-ons that are not really walk-ons, if you, if you know what I mean. So, um, you know, they're, they're, now that doesn't happen at every level of school, right? I mean, there's F- FCS schools that that's probably not going to happen. But it can happen at those bigger FBS schools for sure. Right. Right. And there's ways to, you know, the only guys getting paid are not just the guys on scholarship. That's that's true. Uh, what's going to be interesting to see going forward is is how that that all shakes out and, and who becomes a better program because of it or not because of it. Mizzou, we talked about them. They lost to Georgia. Uh, they're seven and two. They still have a chance to win ten games, and I would say at this point that the odds are that they are. They have Tennessee and Florida <coughs> both at home. To me, I, you know, it's it's strange. You know, I, the Georgia game seems like their first road game. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, they've had the majority of their games at home or in St. Louis, would you count Vanderbilt as a road game? I mean, I don't know, no. <laughs> you know, so they, they have Tennessee. It's a sellout, which it's their fourth sellout in a row, which awesome. this, this blows my mind. It's like the, the longest sellout streak in 43 years, four consecutive. It's amazing what winning will only. do. It is. Have you seen the plans that they've put out for that? Uh, you know, the, the end zone, I guess the North end zone. Yeah. Uh, where they build over the top of the, the M, leave, preserve the M, but have the new section. I mean, from what I was told, that that's probably like in the works. Like, it, they, maybe not that exact plan, but it's gonna it's gonna happen. So, um, I'm excited. I get to go to my first. Uh, you know, well, I went to the Memphis game, but first Mizzou on campus game this year with my family this weekend. So, oh, nice. So you're gonna be on. at the you're gonna be at the Tennessee game. Yeah, I get to go. Uh, oh, nice. It's my first weekend really off. So, gonna do some sideline reporting, report back here next well, week. Maybe, and, maybe, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more to get in, get out, but I've been asked to. Stick I, I know you are. You, the game, so. I, I know you like to. You like to like become part of the wall. Yeah, you know, you, I'm there to watch just, football. Just, yep, that, watch, that's me. I get it. I get it. Me yeah. too. Me too. Yeah. That's, I mean, I just uh, yeah. So I'm excited about it. Get to see it. Uh, Tennessee's a heck of a team. They're fun. I love their offense. Yep. So it'll be fun to watch Josh those Heupel, guys. former Mizzou offensive yep. coordinator. Alec Ablin, one of our former uh, elite yeah. players. Kevin Pendleton, another yep. former Mizzou guy. It's so it's so funny to see guys like from Ke- Kevin Pendleton. I remember being at one of his games and he's running off the field after the game. And I stop him and he's like, you sure you want to talk to me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're, just watch, wait and see. And now he's at Tennessee. Alec, the same thing. Yeah. It, it's All these guys are moving up and, and coaching in colleges, being part of staffs. Yeah, we have um, – I forgot the number, but it, it is in the 20s, you know, in the, you know, high to mid-20s of guys that we coach that are now coaching you know, FBS or in the NFL. It's it's, it's wild. It is it, wild. It's really wild. see all that happen. So that's going to be interesting. So we'll, we'll just wait for your – uh, My report analysis, back. yeah. Yep, your analysis yeah. of the game. Yeah. You're going to give us a play-by-play. Uh, a lot of recruiting stuff going on. Corey Sims, Mr. Corey Sims, 2025 wide receivers, just blown up within the past week. 
I think he's had six offers within the past five days from Penn State, West Virginia, Ole Miss, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. And it's just, and I, I knew, you knew this was coming. You know, Corey's a guy who I've been promoting and been been saying elite caliber, elite mm-hmm. caliber. Well, now the offers have caught up. See, I do it the opposite way. Yeah. I say who is a big time player, who is an elite caliber player before the offers come, he's before big. the stars come. He's big. He's rangy. He, he's he, fast. he catches the ball extremely well. Yeah. He's a legit six three, hundred ninety pound plus guy who has track speed. You know, he's aggressive, dude, going up for the ball as well. So he's a guy that definitely warrants what the attention he's getting. And he, I think he will be a, you know, we've talked about a national level recruit. Absolutely. Um, you know, highly rated, but he, yeah, he's a guy, he, he played uh, seven on seven for us the last couple of years. And uh, his, after his freshman year, it was like, wow, this kid's only a freshman at that point, right. you know? Right. And uh, that team was him. Justin Thurman, so two, you know, two national, and then uh, Justin King. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think who else. Jason Wiley, uh, really good team. Justin Price, just some really solid kids who oh, are yeah. now all getting recruiting attention. But um, you know, those guys, um, you younger guys, you don't realize how fast it happens. After that freshman year, it's a blitz. If you're a guy and you've worked yourself, put yourself in position. And uh, you're ready, but th- it doesn't happen by accident. Corey is skilled. Corey's a worker, though. He is a worker. Yeah, he's a worker. Yeah, he's 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 definitely earned what's what's come Imagine his way. Imagine him in a college strength program. Oh he, man, he, he he's well. If you see if you see bigger. him lately, yeah, he's he's getting bigger. Yeah. You, you you see it coming, but you're absolutely right. Once he gets in a, a strength and conditioning program mm. in college, yeah, he's 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 going to be a monster. Titan Davis. Speaking of it happening fast, it was just last summer that, you know, I'm talking to, to Titan and he's, you know, transitioning from being an eighth grader to a freshman. And now he's, you know, he's just picked up two offers this week, one from Minnesota and one from Kent State to go with his one, uh, first offer he picked yeah. up a week ago from a week or so ago from, from Kansas State. So, you know, it, it, it it's a blur. It's only up from there. 6'5", 235, 240 yeah. pounds. I think he's a little bigger than 235. And just just beginning, just just scratching the surface is what's going to come. Uh, Peyton Brown, another guy that, that that you know very well, just picked up an offer from Southern Illinois. Yeah, he's a steal. Whoever gets he is him a is steal. a steal. Then then they'll have a fast track to his brother, which will be another steal. Peyton, yeah, we, we're going to talk about him at some point. I've talked about him a little bit. He's part of that twenty twenty five class. Mm-hmm. Just just monster athletically, and as a quarterback. He's not just the fast guy who can run, but no, he has the skill. He's a he's quarterback, quarterback first who just happens to be gifted athletically. Uh, Dayton Hopkins picked up offers from Cincinnati and Mizzou. Um, Mizzou offered him as a tight end, and he thought that that was interesting. And he's, he's Oh, I don't fan. think it's interesting. Look how athletic he is. Well, I got to tell you what. You know, I was there, and he he had a nice touchdown catch. Uh, he, he runs like a receiver at 6'6", 220 pounds. So, no, it's it, he would like to – I think he would like to play – defensive end yeah. but but everything else might move him in that other direction hey mizzou's starting to get a little bit more aggressive and, and come back on some guys that they had maybe missed in the first go around or or maybe taking some new um light on in-state guys so i'm really they, interested to see they were delayed there there could on. be some big developments coming down the line i think there's just they're starting to really circle the wagons and understand the value of having high quality kids from the state of missouri there is you know, I know I'm biased, but we have some really outstanding athletes in our St. Louis Metro, Kansas City, 
And then around you start the to state. go around the state. Yeah. You go down, the, you know, the, state. down the southeast portion of look the at, state. Look at Kellen Lindstrom from yeah. Springfield, look Glendale, going to be going to Tennessee. Right. I mean, so. Here's, here's the thing, and I have no problem saying it. The University of Missouri can build a championship team off of Mizzou, off of Missouri kids first. You've, you, you make that your base, and then you surround it with whatever you need from elsewhere. Correct. But the base that can win a championship, look at what's happening this year. They might win 10 games. And who are the primary guys? Cody Schrader out of St. Louis. Leads, still leading the SEC in rushing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brady Cook, St. Louis. Luther Burden, St. Louis. Yep. You know, I mean, just, just down the line. Yeah, you know, I, I think that... There's safeties that should be playing, local guys. Right. I think if they circle the wagons, they can pick guys up that, that maybe were going to leak out the back door. And uh, I think that's exciting. I think that's really good. And I think that, you know, for us, locally in our market for football, it only does more to promote young kids playing the game, getting excited about it, and wanting to be a part of it. Absolutely. And, I mean, you want to talk about local guys. I mean, we we, we, we need like a two-hour or three-hour show. I know. To get a, <laughs> I think to get we need to add like an interview show. Get a, every, then, everything in. Just, just, just a couple different things. Because, I mean, you know, we haven't really, you know, gone over the playoffs. A lot of great playoff action happening. You know, uh, big games. Is there any particular games that stand out to you? You might. I think Rockwood Summit, Eureka will be a lot of fun. That's going to be a war. Yeah, That's I think it. I think MICDS and Ritter should be a fun game. Francis Howell, CBC. I think that'll be a fun. That's going to be a monster. Rockhurst, Lee Summit North. That's oh boy, be- what did Lee Summit North put up? A large number of points on somebody, or someone yeah. over in the Kansas City side had a seventy point. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it's, it Liberty it's, North? It's it's it might have been Liberty. Yeah, North. one of the seventy plus points. It was that's a, wow. it, that they're they're gonna have an inner city rival between Liberty and Liberty North this week. I mean, just just Joplin and Nixa. I mean, now you're now you're having rivalry games. Yeah, as part of the the, the playoff games. They did a good job of seating those. You know, like putting the districts together. I think because they did some really solid matchups they really they really did because and and now you're going to see it and it's just going to be more and more solid matchups going forward didn't have time i was gonna i had i compiled a list of college players if that have been to the elite combat i just randomly picked a, right, rifle the rifle through just just real quick a few minutes a few, a f- yeah we got a few a couple couple minutes so i just i just randomly picked say the year 2020 okay the COVID year right yeah. i remember it was Y'all, right I before COVID well. hit so some of the names who who were at that one, I mean, I have like over thirty D one P five D one guys, including Caden Green at Oklahoma, including Jamarian Wayne, one of the local guys at, 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 at Mizzou, uh, Kyan Roberts Day at, at, at Baylor. Um, you have Jakai Lang at Mizzou, Cameron Epps at Oklahoma State. You have uh, Paris Patterson at Arkansas. Uh, you also have uh, Ryan Boyd, Missouri State, Ryan King, Northern Illinois, Jason Essex from Kansas City, yeah. Winnetonka came over to the Elite yeah. Combine playing at Iowa State, uh, Tyler Gant, Northwestern. You have Kyle Long, who won a, uh, was, one of the All-Stars. Yes, he did. What, what played in the uh, All-Star game. Yeah, yeah, American Cancer Society All-Star game playing at Maryland. Miles McVeigh, Alabama. I mean, I have, that's not even some of the younger guys that were there, Carson Boyd, <laughs> Jeremiah yeah, yeah. McClellan, you know, Chris Bennett. Uh, I mean, it Jeremiah goes, Love would have been there, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Jeremiah yeah. Love. Jeremiah Love was there. Jeremiah Love would, Justin would come back. Well, yeah. see, you're, now you're going to 2021 where you yeah. had Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah Love, Justin yeah. Thurman, Nathan Rubel, uh, Trevor Burr, Dontrell Holt, Kellen Lindstrom. 
going to Tennessee. We, I mean, need to, we need to look at the NFL guys that have come through it too. I mean, it is, it's, it's really a wild deal to see all those guys, you know, a lot of them, it's their very first experience doing something like that. Oh yeah. And I think we pride ourselves in doing it the right way. We, there's no mistake that we've done it longer than anybody else in this area for a reason. 16 years. Yeah, people be. have come and gone. They've popped up, they've tried it, and then they realize, yeah, that's a lot of work. We take pride in doing it. Uh, I don't think it's an accident that we also do the Lindenwood Mega Camp as well. We do all the testing there, um, and you and I are heavily involved in that. And it's, I, you know, we don't take it lightly. We're really serious about what we do. We love uh, giving opportunities for people to get better in the game of football. That's why we're doing the show is at least tell people and give an access point to where they can learn to more inform, about the process. Inform and educate is what this yeah. show is about. And that's all it is. And so, uh, you know, we're at the points in our lives where we've, you know, I'm a, I don't need validation from any, the next big kid to come through. Like, we, I think our body of work sp- stands on its own. Oh, absolutely. If you compare it nationwide, um, I don't think there's a lot of other organizations that kind of have the same thing. There might right. be more, you know, like maybe someone on the West Coast, someone in Florida. But for the Midwest, we have a pretty darn good, uh, record. track record. Oh yeah. yeah. And what's interesting about this is most of these guys yeah. came through before they were guys. Yes. Hey, right? uh, and one last thing this weekend, we do have our uh, Midwest boom tryouts, um, this Sunday, shameless self-promotion. Yeah, Go the, ahead. This Sunday at, uh, the earth city, uh, St. Louis, the old St. Louis Rams park, but it's the uh, Luth Fuse Luth Athletic, Athletic Center. Yep. Three thirty to five thirty. Number one Rams way, right? Yep, still number one. one Rams way. I think they call it number one athletic oh, way. Now. There you go. So, the, uh, but we, we will have tryouts for our uh, twelve up through eighteen new teams. Uh, we got some of the best coaches in the area. Uh, like I said, you will be trying out for the OT seven Midwest Boom OT seven teams. The only one in the Midwest. You know, there's lots of different things you can go do. Um, there's lots of different you know levels of seven on seven. But I will say one thing and one thing only about Midwest Boom. It is the best seven v seven club. If you are associated, if associated with it, you drive a different level with college coaches. The college coaches definitely recognize, and it's no disrespect to any local teams that we have in our region um, or across the Midwest. You know, we've played a bunch of, against a bunch of them over the years, but when Midwest Boom shows up, every team knows who they are, and Midwest Boom shows up in your in your Twitter bio the college coaches know who you are and they know that you've cleared the process. So I think it's important to kind of know what you're going into seven on seven four and what you get from it. And, uh, you know, we can talk more about that. And I think we've addressed a little bit of it, but you know, if you're going to get reps and quality coaching and, and, and exposure through the system, the Midwest boom has a, a track record that's unmatched. All right. Well, good luck with that. A lot of seven on seven trials this weekend, starting early this year. Yeah. A lot of seven on seven. Good luck to everybody on that. Everybody, Matt's going to be on assignment this week. Going to tell us about Mizzou football up close and personal from from inside the stadium. And uh, we're going to be back here next week with all kinds of, of good stuff. The fastest hour of football talk on it's the done. planet. It wasn't it fast. Yeah, it went by fast. fast. Everybody, stay safe and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll be back here next Tuesday to talk to you. See ya.